Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Welcome back to another episode, my wonderful friends and followers and fantastic people, uh, new people. I am really excited to bring this episode to you, although I will admit we had some very tragic uh, technical difficulties on my part. So just a quick behind the scenes FYI for you guys. I do not actually have internet where I live. So I have to use this little remote Wi-Fi hotspot kind of thing from AT&T. And sometimes if it's raining outside or just when they decide they don't want to give me as much bandwidth as I should get, I have trouble with my connection. So we did manage to get through an, an almost the whole episode and then the internet dropped out on me. And I lost all of my video. I have all of Adam's video. So I'm really disappointed and frustrated. But this was the second attempt to get this done. So I had to work with what he was able to provide for me because I didn't want to be a disrespectful host and be like, hey, can we do this for a third time? So there are some technical difficulties involved with this episode. So I do apologize for that. And my son totally interrupted us about halfway through. So that was glorious as well. Um, I'm really good at this whole podcasting slash videoing thing, said not Heather today. But I love you guys very much. I hope you enjoy this episode. It is a two-part episode. We talk about Bitcoin as well as uh, the Boogaloo Boys. And um, I hope that you learn something from this and take away that you need to go invest in crypto. I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. So I just realized I was watching a video earlier and I do podcasts wrong. I make the person introduce themselves instead of me giving like this big long monologue about you. But I like that better because I don't know enough about you to tell the whole world. So I want you to do that for me, please. So I'm Superman. Yes, Clark. No, uh, <laughs> so guys, uh, my name is Adam. Um, uh, YouTube channel is uh, PCP Media. I am uh, currently uh, uh, Wild West pimp style BSA on on Twitter because <laughs> why wouldn't I be? Um, so I am right? a uh, what's that? What's I said that? right. Oh yeah. Uh, so um, I'm a uh, Marine Corps uh, veteran and uh, prolific shit poster on social media. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've learned that. Well, so I reached out to a guy. Actually, a guy reached out to me. He's like, I think you should engage with me on Twitter. I think it'd be good. And I'm like, okay, dude, I'll I'll do that if you follow my podcast. And he was like the undersecretary of Italy. Like he was like the the... Mike Pompeo of Italy. And so he he's like, could I see some of your stuff to like, you know, kind of get an idea? <laughs> so I sent it to him. He's ghosted me ever since. Like his office won't return any of my emails. I'm like, so foreign diplomats not doing good in that territory. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's uh, I always think it's funny when uh, I do have politicians uh, and uh, check marks follow me. That, that's always a funny oh. one, so I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I won't say which ones do because uh, they probably get like a, 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 a homeland security would probably just go to their doors just because of the stuff that I post online. <laughs> uh, 
or so, the cancel culture. I noticed yes. you identify with this person. And so it's like, yes. okay, so this is actually going to end up being a two part episode. And I didn't realize this, realize this until the other day when we were talking about boo stuff. So mm-hmm. let's, let's talk crypto first. And let's pretend I don't know much about crypto, which mm-hmm. I don't. So I saw some people, you and I think it was you and Hippie were talking today about proof of work versus yep. proof of holding or proof of or proof of stake. Stake, yeah. Yep. Okay. So uh, there's proof of work and there's proof of stake. And so there, the simplest way to describe it is proof of work is how Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, which are the the biggest two. Not that there's not like a whole bunch out there, but those are the biggest two coins that you can that exist, and they are mined using um, you know basically powerful computers. Initially, um, you could you know use uh, um, just graphics cards and stuff. In fact, that's actually what I use. I don't like. There are people who they will have like these. Actually, in China, they'll have huge warehouses filled up with like these like, crazy setups. For uh, for mining Bitcoin and Ethereum, and which is basically just a long way of saying they're doing all these complex mathematics nerd stuff that I still don't fully get, and it makes money going to my bank account. Okay, so basically you're I, I okay. just I like I use uh, my desktop, my laptop that are both um, high end graphics cards in them, um, and I've been using that to mine Ethereum for the past um, about the last month and a half. And in two days, I'll be depositing more. And so basically, out of just using computers I existing have or that I had, I didn't go out and spend any more money. I just used an old gaming computer that I use for video work, video editing, and uh, my my desktop build that I built for video editing, which um, video editing and uh, video gaming both kind of basically use the same stuff. Like so, it's it it kind of would just made to where I'm like, okay, well, I haven't been doing any video editing, but I can just leave my computer on, run this program, and it makes me money. It's that simple. And then proof of stake is I still don't get it, but basically the way I've seen how that works with what I have staked is you just you make interest off the existing um, cryptocurrency that you have. So basically, like you the currency's already been mined and you stake it and you you make more money. I'm still a little little uh, not quite sure how that works, but proof of stake is where things are going as we're moving away from mining. I feel like proof of stake, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the way that it's designed is okay. So I'm purchasing this, and you're. It's almost like you're letting other people borrow against it with the expectation that there will be more there eventually. Is do I understand that correctly? You know, I, I that's one of, one of the things I like because I'm very new to crypto too, and that's like so. But what. I, I'm not, I still doesn't quite make full sense to me. Like, because like when you say, oh, explain this to me, like, I don't know anything. Well, you know what? I have just been like, I don't know. The, I, I don't know like a hundred percent how it works. I just know that I have found ways so far, someone who even has tr- trouble kind of comprehending it exactly of how to make money off of it. And and not have to be, I mean, you can find people who can just blow your mind with how much they, they know about it. And I've, I've been learning a lot, watching a lot of videos on it. And, and uh, there's a lot of cool stuff with various different cryptos and stuff you're doing. But it is a lot to take in. It is not like regular investing. But I will say this, there's a really cool app. So say you do have some, um, say say you've, you've plunged, gone on the plunge, and you've bought some Bitcoin, you've bought some Ethereum, or a couple of the other cryptocurrencies that are out there. Um, there's an app I use called BlockFi. 
BlockFi and they loan out my cryptocurrency and they give me a 6% um, APY uh, for that. And it just compounds every day and you can remove your money at any time you want. And so, I mean, I never didn't put much in. I put in what I initially mined. So I'll just tell you because I, I mean, like I said, I, I am I'm not a wealthy person. I am just literally just an average guy who started figuring this stuff out because uh, I, I, I mean, I'm tired of. I'm tired of uh, being down here. I want to be sitting on an island with, you know, having the fruity drink with the, uh, whole, uh, you know, umbrella in it. So uh, I'll show you. So I've got right, currently, right. I don't know if you can see it, but I've got 260 bucks worth of Ethereum and I've made uh, 50 cents since I, since I put it in like three weeks ago. So that's not a massive amount of money, but as in, into you know, that BlockFi app or the BlockFi app. Yeah. Okay. So I literally put in money that I mine that I made for just leaving my computer on. Uh, I left my two computers on for about a month. Made, I made that much money. I put it in, and then I'm making more money on interest. And you can maybe you're worried about, well, how much power are you using? My power bill went up ten bucks to leave my computers on for two for a month and make two hundred and sixty bucks. And in another two days, I'm gonna have another drop of a equivalent amount just once again from leaving my computers on. So. What kind of graphics card do you have and what program are you using to mine the Ethereum? Yeah. So um, I have in my laptop, I have a GTX uh, 1070. And then in my uh, desktop that I built, I have a uh, RTX 2080 Ti. Both of these are, are basically older now because um, there is the they're trying to uh, they're putting out new drivers that are going to limit their uh, RTX uh, 3000 series for their hash rates which is basically the higher the hash rate whatever a freaking hash is it's what you, the higher the higher their hash rate you get for, for mining the better um, but you know what at the same time it, it's really I, I the party is almost over for mining anyways so it's for instance, with Ethereum, uh, in July, there's supposed to be an, up, an upgrade update come out to Ethereum uh, as they move away from the Ethereum 1 to Ethereum 2.0 of where it's going from proof of work to proof of stake. And once that does, well, you can't mine that anymore. There's other coins that you can mine, um, but like there's like Ravencoin uh, and a few others, but the, the, it's moving away from that. And one thing I've actually been um, looking into is a is actually uh, Cardano or ADA is what it's called. That one is one I'm watching really closely. You can't mine it, but it's it's super cheap right now, and it's looking to be like it may it, it the functionality of it as it's still being developed, but it's kind of like a competitor to um, to Ethereum, and it's got some of the same people involved. It's just um, they're moving. One of the cool things about these Ethereum uh, 2.0 and ADA is they're becoming functional. They have a purpose. Bitcoin is just Bitcoin. It's a store of value, but it doesn't really do anything. But now it has first mover status. It's the first one. So that's why everyone got into it. But uh, Ethereum 2.0 and ADA, um, which are kind of, I guess, in a way, competing currencies or cryptocurrencies for what they're doing is uh, they are infrastructure. No, no, no literally, I, I know, it was, you know we all joke about how everything is infrastructure, but they are. Everything is infrastructure. Sure. Yes, everything is infrastructure. They, they really are. The, um, uh, basically, they're they're basically competing for Web 3.0. The what they're the stuff they're doing is there's so much to it. I sit there and watch it. Like every time my mind is blown, I'm still like I, I still don't quite get exactly 
how to like put this all together in a box to verbalize it. They're doing cool stuff, very cool nerd stuff. And I think that that one's a really good one to watch because it's never going to be like, they, they don't ever expect it just because of how many coins there are for ADA to be, you know, where one coin is worth like $100,000 or $60,000. But if you buy it for two bucks and it becomes worth 20 bucks, that's 18 bucks per. And that's a very feasible, um, you know, and, and yeah, it's a very feasible um, price for where to go to. And with ADA, they're, they're not making it for the based around the idea of trying to make some investor money. They're literally, they're like, well, this is going to make you money if you get it. But we're trying to make the future of the internet is, is essentially what's going on there to where you can have smart contracts. You know, the idea of being able to have like uh, countries in Africa have their uh, government infrastructure based off of it, uh, uh, which uh, I believe is Ethiopia right now. Uh, I believe they signed it or maybe it was Egypt. I, I, I may be forgetting what country, but an African country, uh, their government has uh, is going to be using uh, ADA as part of their their um, their infrastructure for their their you know, go, you know, their future going forward. I mean, you may have elections being ran on on this, uh, you know, platform. So. There's a lot that it's capable of doing that's so mind-blowing that it, it, it's it's something to watch. And that's Cardano. Cardano or ADA. Uh, ADA for short. Uh, and uh, yeah, Cardano. Why do you think they're moving away from proof of work to proof of stake? Why do you think that they're limiting people's ability to mine? Oh, because big tech, big tech hates the pores. Uh. Shocker. Everyone hates the pores. I know, right? Uh, I mean, I think it's some of that, but um, there's a big debate going on as to whether or not the environmental friendliness of this stuff uh, really is. Um, And it's so basically the, the, the criticism of proof of work is that it takes a lot of power. Um, which I guess if you're running like 60, um, graphics cards, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean that, that can be a lot, but what's the, uh, the, you got to look at the, um, the, is it worth it or not? You know, like what's the, you know, what's the value proposition of it? And if the value proposition is there, well, you're going to do it, right? Like the value proposition of us having a gasoline car and getting from point A to point B has made sense for the past century, you know? So it's, you, you have to. Look at the pros and the cons. And that's where, where kind of the cons uh, or the, the big argument is there. So, I mean, technology's changed. So, I mean, we'll just, we'll just see how it goes. Well, I mean, how many trees do we kill when the Federal Reserve goes brrr and just prints 10 bajillion dollars? Like, You know what? Actually, probably not as many as you would think because most of that money is still digitized. Like, because they don't have... They don't have uh, a paper dollar for for every um, you know dollar they they have you know in circulation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, do you see? Okay. So here in the last what would probably I don't know two weeks, crypto's been not doing so hot, and especially Bitcoin. Ethereum is still doing really well, which I'm surprised to see how it's held out over the course of the last couple of weeks. But I think because it's not tethered to Elon Musk as much as Bitcoin and Doge are. So right. what what do you think is creating that that huge dip right now? The well, I mean, so uh, Elon Musk and Tesla when they said they weren't going to take it, uh, take Bitcoin anymore, that caused the drop. Um, and if you look at the pump and dumps with Doge, no one really expects Doge to go anywhere. Elon Musk, he's trolling, right? Because 
let's think about what happens here is when when he pumps up Doge, right? And then people, once they take their profits, where are they going to put that? They're not just taking that cash back out. They're putting that into the Bitcoins and the Ethereums. And then as far as the separation between uh, while Ether, Ethereum has been coupled to um, Bitcoin for so long, I think the transition of them working to the 2.0, uh, I think that's kind of decoupled it because Ethereum 1, the OG, what purpose did it serve? It didn't do anything. Just like, I mean, just like Bitcoin basically didn't do anything. So there with the, the Ethereum 2.0, the, the idea that it serves an actual purpose versus, you know, just being a, uh, a digital currency, there's that. And, and I, I think that you will see Bitcoin recover. Um, so for all of the things I'm saying bad about Bitcoin, it's going to recover. You know, you see these massive, um, you know, these massive dips have happened before and then it goes back up. So I, I don't think anyone should be uh, uh, any heavy investors into Bitcoin should be jumping out of uh, uh, skyscrapers. Uh, <laughs> You know, like uh, financial people have done for when the stock market goes bad. Uh, it's I think most people are in it for the long haul. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't freak out over a short term drop. Like, you know, Elon Musk, he's you know being like the second richest man in the world right now. I think he dropped down to second or third or whatever. Um, you know what he says, he can move markets. And that just is what it is. Like he, he moved the market. But um, that's he's just trolling and in. It'll recover. So do you honestly see crypto being the future of currency? I, I, I When I talk to somebody who's passionate about it, the answer is always like hands down yes with no question. I just have a really hard time, which I know so little about it, but mm -hmm. I've made sure every paycheck for probably the last three months, I've put $20 in both Ethereum and Bitcoin. 20 bucks every time. I don't watch it. I don't look at it. I don't take it out. Because in my opinion, it's going to eventually replace the dollar. But I'm curious to hear your opinion on that. Honestly, I don't know and I don't care. Uh, it's it, And the reason is why is I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about the future of, of um, what happens with currency. I just see it as an investment right now. That is a good way. You have a great chance of making a lot of money, um, especially when we see the dollar in decline. I like the idea of going into cryptocurrency because it, you know, if you look at the uh, how much money we created last year and how we're still just uh, going crazy with the printing press. Uh, if we go full on, um, you know, uh, Germany, World War One, you know, pre World War One. If we go Venezuela. Um, we, if, you know, Zimbabwe, we, if we go into hyperinflation, I have at least a store of wealth that I, is, is going to be, it's going to protect my, my, the little wealth that I have and it can help me recover. And also even, and if that doesn't happen, um, uh, then in the economy, uh, catches up, we get inflation under control. Uh, if that actually happens, then I'll still be sitting here, uh, making money until I'm not. And you know what? It's, it's, we, we don't want to put uh, get emotionally invested into uh, into any investments that we do. You're not worried about it. I see it as a level of freedom. It gives us the ability to legitimately thumb our nose at the government and be like, fine, if you aren't going to find solutions, we'll find a way to work around you. So in that respect, that's where I really am heavily invested in crypto is the idea. No, I, I, I definitely agree. And I mean, they're, 
certainly trying to to clamp down, um, you know, on our capabilities to do that. But, you know, we'll always find a way like they're trying to get, you know, the, all the exchanges to make us report our taxes or, you know, report our crypto for taxes. But we'll, we, everyone can find ways around it, uh, much like 3D printing has nullified gun control. You know, right. it's it's uh, technology is a double edged sword. You know, the governments and uh, malicious actors are able to use technology uh, against people and, and you know, nefarious ways, but uh, we can also use it for uh, to promote freedom and live freely. So, uh, in that respect, uh, I I really do like it. I, I just uh, just really look at it as uh, how are we creating our wealth, and um, I'm going to be in the best way to try to do that right now. And that's that's how how I look at it. And uh, at, you know, if it, if in ten years my Ethereum is worth like a bajillion dollars, sweet, I'll be on that island with uh, my fruity drink and the um, umbrella in it. You know? Yeah. So let's talk about three D printed guns for a little bit. Have you gotten into that at all yet? Uh, yes, I have uh, printed uh, a few uh, frames so far. I started with uh, a Glock nineteen frame. Um, I just. Uh, need to uh i want to do a 22 upper slide on it i just haven't bought it yet because those cost money and uh, the great state of new hampshire is extorting me for 600 dollars to register my vehicles uh, uh next month so um i had to I have to focus on priorities there uh for the privilege of driving on the king's roads um so but I, i've also printed uh two other lowers that are actually they're the glock 17 frame but they're customized to once I finish them, they're going to look like um, really similar to the pistol that Master Chief used in the Halo games. Oh my god, that's so awesome. You'll have to send me a picture. I'm a huge fucking nerd when it comes to Halo and Master Chief. He's like my I, favorite, so... I will, I will. Um, okay, so now let's shift. I want to talk about the Boog movement. Because the information that I obtained in our conversation the other day was mind-blowing to me. I've always perceived it to be, I don't want to call it a joke because I don't want people to attack me and think that I'm a horrible human, but that it was along the lines of like gold core. Like it was just, it started out as kind of a, a joke and it grew bigger than it actually was. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, let's let's be uh, clear, especially for our federal agents watching, that uh, Goldcore is, uh, was, and has always been nothing more than a than a joke, than a meme. Um, you know, right. like, like uh, when uh, the the pictures of uh, of uh, of our boy Terry uh, showed up at Shout the Capitol. The Capitol. Really, <laughs> uh, that was literally um, tongue in cheek, and that was done the day before the. Uh, protests and no one had any idea of anything happening there which uh some um people have tried to turn it into some like gold core let the oh, insurrection I read the article the other day and it's just like oh my god no just just no it's literally just a veteran like shit post where we have tr uh tricked some um some like blue check marks into being silly and that's all it was and it wasn't even always veterans it's just goons in general um but the the boog movement definitely started as uh boog was started just as memes and it has evolved it's gone from a meme online to a meme in real life to some real world activism behind it uh there's definitely people who are attending uh, protests uh advocating for for liberty um with many many different political views 
um, that, you know, they're out going to protest to, to advocate for, for freedom. And it's still very, very tongue in cheek um, and lighthearted. So it, it, it's a meme that's come into real life with some activism aspects. But I, I wouldn't I, I, I would not uh, take the message seriously that the people are saying, but uh, it's, it's done to be tongue in cheek while promoting uh liberty right there are like entire subsections though like there are different sects so to speak based off of what i was reading the other day like oh well he's part of the it was it almost reminded me of like buddhism like there's there there's different sects of religion it was the same thing like it was like there's this this division or whatever like that's what was so mind-blowing to me. Like, it has become much more organized, I think, than what I would have expected it to be. It is, and it isn't. It's a very decentralized movement, um, and there's a lot of different, like, uh, there's a lot of different chats you can find, like, on Keybase or Signal or Smoke and Mirrors or, uh, you know, Twitter, uh, Letter, uh, you know, um, meeting right. in the basement and having chicken nuggies and Mountain Dew. Uh, there's there's lots of different lots of different groups here, um, but the it's it's a very decentralized. So you might see that um, you might be more right wing libertarian in some groups. You might be more uh, you know leftist or mutualist anarchist in some other areas. You might have groups where you're going to have people of all sorts of different beliefs. But it, it's generally people who um, just want to be left. They're tired of the direction that the country has gone, and you have people with different beliefs who are uniting under a banner um, to to advocate for for liberty in general. And uh, I mean, so you have people here. They're uh, they may have different some different ideologies, but they come together on uh, gun freedom and uh, you know basically freedom you know for for everybody you know no matter uh, what color you are no matter what race you are no matter what gender you are it's it's literally just people coming together like we are tired of all the insanity and we just want to be free and do you think that there's more because just conceptually and perceptually from my own point of view it feels that the antifa movement has garnered much more acceptance as a movement than Boog ever did. It was like it, it was like Boog was always a threat versus Antifa is just an idea. Uh, you know, it's there's so much just blatant propaganda out there, and uh, I, I kind of just sit and I laugh at it. And you know, it's yes, uh, you know, it's, it's it is very demonized where where Antifa has gotten some acceptance, but you know. You actually find it's it's interesting if you find uh, there's a you know an anarcho unity um, coalition basically, which uh, brings together uh, people from uh, Antifa and BLM and and Boog, uh, where they're like, hey, you know, we, we we agree on this, we may disagree on that, but if we can just agree on this one thing, um, maybe we can make some some uh, advancement there. And um, I personally. Um, I'm like, okay, that's cool. As long as we just like don't go around breaking people's stuff and hurting people. Um, I, I'm, I'm all about working with right. whoever, whoever to uh, to promote freedom for for everyone. And you know, basically, that that freedom comes at the cost of recognizing that we do have a tyrannical government that um, needs to uh, check itself or um, be be abolished. <laughs> Right. So I know you're very anarchist. We're a little bit different in that respect because I'm still 
hanging on by the very fine threads of what are left of our constitution. But so today I read a piece that was talking about certain military members not being able to wear like Hawaiian shirts anymore or you know they're quote unquote rooting out extremism in the military and even I mean it's starting to branch out in other executive branches like DHS and stuff like that and it it made me think about you know like there was a guy who's graduating and he had that hat and it said something about communism is will win or something. Do you remember that yeah, the guy that was yeah. graduating and he wasn't reprimanded, you know, like he didn't get in trouble for that. And yes, so it's he like, did. He, did. he did. Oh, he, he got removed. Um, so, okay. uh, so, um, yes, that, that did not work out well uh, for him in the long run. At first it didn't, but, um, but yes, uh, but we can... hold on. What about the guy yeah. that just got removed from space force? For he went on to a podcast or wrote a book or something about anti like he was very anti communism and they brought the UCMJ down on him and were like nope you're done. It's very interesting to me to see the difference of what's perceived to be extremism versus what is accepted. So I would definitely say that I, I, I he wrote a book that was published and he went on the podcast now. It's it's very a very slippery slope when you are that high up uh, what you can get away with saying. Uh, and if his right. book um, was not vetted by the, the military and if it's speaking on the military, that is something that can definitely get you in a lot of trouble. And that's been uh, a longstanding. Policy. No, I don't disagree. And I'm not necessarily justifying it. I'm yeah. not necessarily saying that it was right for him to do it. I'm just saying right. I feel like the rules are being applied unequally. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to, to build to that. And the things he said, like in his podcast, okay, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, I, I agree with the guy. Um, but you have to be very, uh, very, very careful uh, with the, regarding the UCMJ of, of um, what you what you say while in, in uniform, especially now where the things get tricky is and where it gets insane is. So now uh, the government is watching. Um, active duties, their uh, service members, and I guess probably reserves too, I'm sure. Uh, but they're watching their what they're saying on social media. And so uh, I have friends who are still in the, in the Marine Corps, uh, still active duty. Well, some went over to the Army I mean, and uh, other branches. But um, if they last summer posted uh, some boob memes, they, they could get kicked out when they just posted, you know, funny memes. So it's, it's getting very, very sketchy because, you know, it used to be, okay, you can go to a protest and protest what you uh, believe in, but just don't be in uniform. And that don't was fine. That's where the yeah. switch has happened. Now it's looking very, very scary if you uh, want to be politically outspoken uh, and be a service member. And they say it's in the guise of rooting out extremism. But um, I, I will tell you, it's it's hard to find a, uh, a moderate of anything when someone's uh, infantry. Uh, okay. Like that was my, my background in the Marine right. Corps. And uh Believe me, there uh, that was uh, there was no 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 moderation in in anything. Uh, it was it, it, everything was an extreme. So uh, whether it came to uh, uh, work or getting off work and playing, you know, you worked hard, you played hard, and you and you were hardcore in your beliefs. So it, that's a very very dangerous precedent of what they are doing. Yeah, and I think like long term, you know, what if you if this is just going to be a right or left thing? What happens when a right wing 
if that ever happens again, president makes it into office again and he flips that script on you and says, okay, well, if you believe any of these things, Marxism, for example, Mm -hmm. you're out of the military. Like, how are we going to find any kind of happy ground there? I feel like it's just, you're right. It's setting a really bad precedent. Well, what what you said is is exactly what could happen. You'll end up seeing tit for tat. You'll see a very, you know, uh, you know, every four years, you'll see the political, political hammer switch the other way. And, and I'll tell you, there's nothing more dangerous than a politicized uh, military. Uh, and, and that's that's when you start looking at uh, coups start happening. If you look at, uh, I mean, France is an example real quick. But um, about a month ago, like a whole bunch of retired French uh, like generals and, uh, you know, high ranking people, they, they sent this letter saying, hey, you might need to get overthrown. And then uh, a few weeks ago, then active duty unnamed. They didn't put their names on it, but they said basically the same thing. And then last week, I think it was uh, some retired U.S. generals basically copied, copy pasted what the French said to start off with and then went into their own diatribe of uh, saying what's going on, talking about communism, whatnot. And it, you're just sitting there. It's going, oh, this is not good. Uh, this, this sets, uh, sets us up for some really scary things. Well, and I don't even, I think not only does it set us up for some scary things, but I think it also sets a precedent for people not wanting to join the military, like getting to the point where I don't want to fucking deal with this shit. So then we get the bottom of the barrel of the the qualified individuals to be defending our country. And so then Mm -hmm. we're in a position where people who would be good fighters and good people to, to protect us, they're all sitting back like, I don't want to get my hat in that ring. There's, uh, you know, one thing I saw that when I was active duty, uh, just as things just went, uh, things were already on a downward slope where I saw that, uh, the good NCOs that should have stayed in, uh, or that you would have wanted to stay in. Uh, they got out because they got tired of, of uh, the BS. Uh, and then now I think you're going to just see that just uh, crank to 11. You know, um, it's, it's, uh, I am so glad that I got out when I did political views, uh, you know, aside of, of where I have evolved to because, I mean, it was a really cool job. And as far as, I mean, even in 2017, 2018, I was thinking about going back active duty. Um, I got to do some cool stuff, see some cool places, but the, the politics, the, it became so political even when I was, uh, you know, in active duty and left uh, that where it's going now, I, I would not recommend anybody to, to join. It's just, it's like, even if you're very, you know, you, you still love government and you think it's great, it's not going to be a good career path for you right now. Right. Well, and I think about, I, I saw that the, the two articles today where Joe Biden is now funding Palestine and Israel at the same time, like articles come out within a week of one another about where weapons and money are going and then where funding is going. And it's like, you're literally a proxy war fighter. Like that's all you are. That's all you have mm-hmm. ever been. And mm-hmm. why would anyone join our military to go fight in wars for other countries? Like, it's just insane to me. And so I think, I think we're in for a rough few, few years, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, we're what four months into this administration and fucking everything is falling <laughs> apart. Like there is like nothing that is like in good shape right now. And so no. I, I think long term, I think we're going to have some major trouble. But hey, they're talking about a fourth stimmy. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
way. No way. They aren't really, are they? Uh, that's that's. Uh, I read an article about it today. There, there's more more talks about doing another one. No monetary amounts, and it was kind of still vague. But it's like, well, do you know that in the last stimulus check or in the last stimulus bill that they passed, there is a caveat in there that in July monthly payments to parents are going to start as like an added part of the child tax credit. I, I did hear about that. I did. And it can be upwards of like $3,000 a month is what families will be receiving. That's fucking insane. Yeah, that's... Now, as someone who's uh, owned a few businesses and I got a degree actually in business. Now, I'm not saying I'm a smart man, but I had a lot of smart people and I had a little bit of experience that told me that you uh, you need to have more coming in than going out. Uh, right. And so yeah, it's it's I I don't see you know they're already having they're already even recognizing admitting that inflation is bad and they're not I don't think they're admitting the true numbers I think it's probably more at least eight and a half percent versus like the I think they try to say it's like two or three percent like okay guys really uh, go go to Home Depot and try to buy anything. So, uh, right. yeah, and come out with your two by four and be like, I'm rich, bitch. Like, it's yeah. that, it's that bad at this point. It, it really is. Uh, food prices have are going through the It's roof. terrible for me to joke about that. It's very sad that we're in this position. I'm not trying to make light of it, but that's my that's my defense mechanism is to laugh and joke about mm-hmm. how fucking pitiful of a situation we're in at this point. It, it, it is. Uh, it, there's. Financially, it's it's um, that's why I mean going back to the crypto conversation, you know, put you know put put as much money with because you can't trust the dollar, uh, and you know also what we're talking about with uh, um, the Palestinian um, Israeli conflict, uh, you, you know it's funny I'll circle that back to some of the books that we're talking about. If uh, if uh, Hamas uh, can can rock all you know all those rocket attacks and stress the uh, Israeli Iron Dome system as they did with rockets that. Say they cost a thousand per. Do you really think they needed uh, some uh, some boo guys uh, to uh, sell them some like uh, illegal uh, firearms parts? Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, throw that one out there. That that whole story uh, seemed a little uh, suspicious, a little sus, if you will. Yeah, I read that. Um, and then this poor man. Did you see the final um, results of the hearing for the man who kicked his shoes up on Nancy Pelosi's desk? Yeah, like six or seven years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and literally, he committed no crime other than putting his shoes on Nancy Pelosi's desk and walking into the Capitol where he was escorted right. by fucking Capitol Police. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? At least he didn't uh, get shot in the face by, uh, oh, by yeah, a still story. unknown, um, unknown and unnamed. SS officer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, only in the United States Capitol would the military turn its guns against the citizens and it not be called anything other than tyranny. Right. I mean, it's fucking insane. Yeah. It's, it's the, yeah. You have an, ah, oh God, that, that, that's still like, we know who Ashley Babbitt is. I'd still like to know the name of, uh, of this person who just seems to be protected. Um, it's, we have such a double standard where it's like, okay, you could say they were the wrong by going in there, but you have an unarmed uh, woman getting shot and nothing happens. And by the way, there was a SWAT team behind her. Okay? Behind her. So, I know. So if she was doing something so bad, they could have just, you know, 
uh, just choke slammed her to the ground, you know, and or, or whatever right. that they, they like to do to uh, abuse their victims. So I watched the video multiple times, and it looked to me like she was trying to get away. And that, like, it was, you know how, like, you get into a crowded, like, bottleneck situation, and you're just looking for, mm-hmm. like, the easiest way to get out? Yeah. And what threat did she pose to those, what, 50 fucking people that were down that hallway? None. I mean. It's crazy. Yep, it is. But I mean, eh, you know, I mean, it would not have hurt my feelings if what they try to describe that insurrection as just just wasn't. It just wasn't. It it actually, I'm like, no, you guys haven't even seen an insurrection. It bothers me so much that that the claims of what people will make, it's like, like, what type of just like, you know, middle, upper middle class bubble that you live in that you don't even know what violence is. And, and these are the people, these are the people that vote and dictate the policies that uh, we then and become. And send other to. people to war. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I if mean, you say, like there was a meme that went around. It had all of the members of Congress. It was a photograph that was taken where they're all like hunkered down in that, um, in that rotunda or whatever. And it's like, these are the people who vote to send you to war. Like it, it was, yeah. it was one of the most like poignant memes that I've ever seen on the internet. It was just very well done. Do you think that your military service is part of what, I don't want to call you radicalized because I don't want the FBI agents that watch all my shit to come after you. But I, do you think that that helped push you in a direction of being very anti-government? Um, you know, I was already like a, I was like a Ron Paul Republican in like 08 and 012. Um, but for, for some reason, I just still um, always wanted to, to go in the Marine Corps. There was always that drive. And, um, I, you know, if, if I'm radical, it's because I just want to be free to be left alone. I don't think that's a very radical idea that I want to keep my wealth, that I want just to, uh, I, I don't want to go do anything violent. Uh, I just want to live my life and keep, you know, succeed, live the American dream and die. Uh, I don't think that's radical. But as far as have I been perhaps uh, my, my all my views tainted, I would say military, m- maybe somewhat, not necessarily because war is dirty business. Um, but I would say what really radicalized me, I don't even know if radicalization is a good term, just like completely just made me just throw up my, my hands and say I'm done. Yeah. Was just uh, the last just, you know, year and a half, just the, just the blanket tyranny and the people just, the people just like so willingly accepting it and then uh, just coming after you if you don't just, you know, give in to the status quo. It's like, you want to know what people say, oh, how did it happen in Germany? Well, look around you. Look around you. You have people yeah. that if you go out in public, I, where I live, I live out in the country and I will see people walk outside in their own yard where they're probably on at least an acre or two wearing a mask or driving down the road in their cars with windows up wearing a mask by themselves. This is a cult. This is a religion, people. Like, look, if you want to, uh, if you think your mask is going to protect you and like around other people, you're going to protect people. Okay, look, first off, the mask on the box says no, it doesn't. But okay, whatever. No. but yeah, it's it's become a religion, and I think we've lost we each other. We made it so far. I lost you. <sighs> Angie's gone. Damn it!
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death!